What's up, y'all? It's Terry Warfield, and you are listening to Costly Conversations. Let's get it. Welcome to Costly Conversations. My name is Aaron, and we have a very special guest today, the one, the only tight shirt, Terry Warfield. Uh, he is a YouTuber, camera guy, uh, video editor, does it all, and he's a dad of like a billion and six kids. So without further ado, Terry Warfield. What's going on, man? <laughs> What's up, man? I like the billion and six kids thing. <laughs> That's not I mean, accurate. It's, it's, it's true. I mean, you're what dad of the year over here. So man, I'm trying to be trying to be. Yeah, man. Well, I just wanted to uh, give a quick shout out to the dads, actually, you know, dads who are out there grinding away, chasing their dreams, but also making sure their family is good. Shout out to you. Like we see you, bro. Keep at it. That said, Terry, thank you for coming on the show, bro. I uh, wanted to first of all, just say thank you for, for stopping in. I know you don't have to, but uh, there's something that happened about, ooh, was it six months ago at this point uh, on your YouTube mm -hmm. channel that I caught wind of it and I was like, yo, how did this happen to the bro? You uh, you did a quick vlog and at some point you went to a, a shooting range and people weren't too happy about that. Can you, can you walk us through uh, what happened so, there? Yeah, so first of all, I just wanted to thank you for allowing me to come on here man it's an honor i appreciate it <clears throat> and i'm glad to be here so it wasn't any issue with me taking the time out to be here man i love what you do i respect you and i'm glad to be here man so um yeah about maybe six to eight months ago um i decided that it was time for me to bring some of the real me to my youtube channel now some of you probably probably all y'all don't know but my youtube channel is based around like photography camera gear, tips and tricks, editing tutorials, stuff like that. And um, I decided that I'm going to start being a little bit more transparent and actually show people what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. And part of that is uh, going to the range and protecting myself. And I take training and et cetera very serious. So um, I decided that I was going to put the vlog out there. And the thumbnail was literally me with my hand on my pistol on my hip. And um, I put the video out there just kind of talking about the importance of protecting yourself as a creator, uh, the importance of even if it's not with a firearm, just, you know, being aware and being more vigilant when it comes to personal safety, et cetera. And um, it was kind of well received. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's the left and the right side to this. So the left side didn't like it. The right side was all for it. Uh, but for me, it was one of those things where I just wanted to be transparent because um unfortunately we live in a nation where if you don't protect yourself you're sitting duck because the criminals don't don't care about the laws and if you do and they don't that puts you at an extreme disadvantage so uh yeah i put it out there yeah man well i mean for those who who have been paying attention um for the last two years we've been having this conversation with all sorts of people but to this point we we've not had this conversation with somebody who's kind of established in the media space and YouTube and Hollywood, they're two different places, but it, it is interesting that it's like, wow, you really more or less alienated some of the people who watch you on a regular basis just for putting it out there that this is something that you, you value. Um, 
you didn't say, oh, go vote for um, this guy or, or do these things. You just say like, hey, this is this is what I do. You know, if you want to do something like this, you can just be safe. Um, and I didn't see anything crazy that you did. It's not like you were like, in, you know, God bless the AR-15. I mean, God bless the AR-15, <laughs> but, you know, you didn't say that. God bless the AR-15, yeah. I mean, amen. But um, you didn't say anything like super crazy or out there, but yet you still had people who, you know, this is YouTube, this is social media. People are going to have an opinion. Now, did you did you lose subscribers over this or was it just like, a, hey, man, we don't want to see this again? I lost a lot of subscribers and the way I looked at it was I don't care because if I can't be me and show you every facet of my life without you getting butt hurt and offended over it, that's not somebody I want as a part of my, uh, my family. I call, you know, my YouTube subscribers, my family, I hate calling people subscribers. Uh, but if, if, if I can't be genuine with you, and you not get butt hurt to the point where you say, I need to leave. Because if you're friends with somebody, y'all should be able to have a conversation. And even if y'all don't agree on something, that doesn't mean that the relationship has to be severed. And for people that, you know, only saw one particular piece of what I was trying to convey and nothing else that I had to offer and were ready to cop deuces and say, I want nothing to do with you. Goodbye. I, I mean, I don't, I don't need those type of people uh, because I'm not willing to, tiptoe and dance around my core values and my beliefs i'm doing it in a tasteful way i'm not going out of my way to offend anybody or anything like that if we can't have a basic conversation without you getting offended i don't need you around yeah, i lost no, probably that day like 200 200 subscribers that day no cap you know the crazy part is um as much as you're an established youtuber it's not like you're you know five hundred thousand plus subscribers deep where you know losing a chunk of subscribers isn't going to affect things monetarily for you. And obviously, you know, 200 out of so many is, is that's a number, but at, at some point that's gotta, that's gotta kind of irk you a little bit. Just be like, really? Like these people really just got up and dip. But I, I do understand what you said where it's like, do you even really want these people around if you can't make content that they would, if not appreciate, just respect that you're putting yourself out there. And I, I, I can get that. So yeah, it was, um, it was eye opening for me because it lets you know, like who really done for you or not. Um, one thing I'm big on in the can in the YouTube space period is I don't, I don't want you here because of the product I have in my hand. I want you here because you like me as a person or you like what I represent. And, um, when you have somebody that's willing to just bounce on you because you said something negative about a product that they just spent their money on, or maybe your values down the line or whatever, you know, it's just, it's one of them things in life. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. And I don't care what you say, because my value is not my, my position on it is not going to change because you don't like it. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm curious, almost, almost pivoting and we'll, we'll come back and address some additional topics, but do you, and maybe maybe you've not gotten past this point, but when did it when did it kind of get in your mind that your value is more than, you know, the 200 subscribers who left or the the overall number or your overall view count on a regular basis? At what point did it click for you, or has it even clicked? Um, it, it does it it clicks because like like am I willing to sacrifice my identity? <clears throat> and this this may or may not hinder me, right? Because I know a lot of YouTube channels, especially in the tech space or 
firearm space, whatever the case may be, a lot of people are not willing to expose themselves for fear of brands not liking them or for fear of an audience not liking them. And I promised myself when I first started. So to answer the question, it was like when I first started, now, I would not sacrifice my integrity and who I am as a person. I'm not trading that in for subscribers or for money. It's not worth it to me. A million dollars ain't worth it to me if I had to sell my soul to get it or I had to change who I am as a person to get that money. I don't believe in that. So, you know, for me, it's it's always been there. But I think what, what got me to that point was um, I just wanted more freedom. I just wanted more freedom to be who I am on YouTube. And I feel like, you know, YouTube is a place where personalities shine. Nobody wants, you know, that, that's what separates you from the next person is not what you're talking about, but it's the personality and it's the person behind the camera. So it was just that point where I'm like, man, if I'm going to really take control and build my brand how I want to and have a loyal audience, I got to reveal myself in a way that most people aren't willing to. And it might cost me. It might cost me brand deals. It may cost me my growth slowing down it may cost me subscribers but at the end of the day i would rather have a thousand loyal followers subscribers whatever you want to call it than ten thousand people who don't care about me yeah no i mean i completely get that in the sense that you know as we're building up the show and you know reaching more people you know, obviously there's going to be people who disagree in the comments and you know but that's what it's all about i want to create an environment here where we can disagree, we can even get into a heated argument, but at the end of the day, let's dap it up and you know keep it keep it moving in the sense that we're gonna tune in for the next show, agree on something else, disagree on something else, and I mean, like you said, in, in the tech space where you know you're reviewing an Apple Watch, you're reviewing uh, a camera in the in the camera cinema space per se, and it's like if you dog the A7 IV, are you gonna lose a subscriber? Probably, <laughs> probably you lose like a few, but yeah. why and should you let that put you in some mental cage where you can't even feel like man if i you know if i say this these people are you know it's gonna be bad it's gonna be retribution you're sweating you're about to hit upload and you're just like oh dang i don't know if i could do this like you, that's not that's not the energy that you want to have around you especially as you know you got more than just this going on you're a dad you know you're also i, I know you do some freelance i don't know what you uh if you've locked in with a specific group but you, you do other things and to let this ruin your day, that's just not going to fly. Uh, I know, you know, being a married man, that's not going to fly after the camera's off. Right. Uh, man, I, just, I feel very, very strongly about, you know, I, I don't let the comments get to me. I don't let. The, the people who want to leave get to me. I don't get the, the the negative comments. I don't let them get to me. Um, and to answer the question, I think the reason why people are so inclined to leave over just something as petty as you offering a different opinion than what they hold is for some reason online, especially on YouTube, there is a sense of entitlement. There's an extreme sense of entitlement where um, if if you don't agree with what I say, it's almost like uh, let me finish what I'm saying. If you don't agree what I say, I'm willing to leave. And I equate these people 
I used to work in like cell phone stores and stuff like that. And people will walk in and say, if you don't give me my demands right now, I will leave out of here and take my business elsewhere. I don't want to deal with people like that. I don't. So when these people sit here and leave me comments, oh, I'm unsubscriber from you and all this stuff. The fact that you felt that you hold that much power over me, that you can make a comment like that, and I'm supposed to sit there and stop what I'm doing to me, it's, it's, it's elitist mentality that I just don't vibe with. And for people that have that, I could care less if you leave or not. I, I, I don't feel like I'm losing anything. In fact, I feel like I'm gaining something because I feel like I'm, I might be losing you, but somebody else that's that's not going to judge me because my opinion doesn't vibe with theirs and they're willing to leave me over it. Somebody else will come in and take the, the, the space that you left. So, um, I think it's a sense of entitlement, man. I just think it's the generation we live in, the times we live in, everybody is so opinionated and everybody want they view to be the, the, the holy way and stuff like that. And I just don't care about them. Yeah, man. So we're going to actually take a quick second and talk about some of the people who are supporting the show. If, uh, if we can't just go ahead and do that real quick. Let's do it. So for those of you who are paying attention and uh, follow Terry, one of his favorite things is coffee. And this is not his sponsor. This is my sponsor. Um, we're supporting well, blackout coffee is supporting what we're doing right now. Drinking the pods, drinking the iced coffee. And, uh, it's definitely a great time. Click the link down below to check them out. It's a great brand. They support Second Amendment and uh, they support me. So definitely check them out. Terry. And I'm so, down anybody who supports my man. So thank you. I appreciate that. So, yeah, tonight I'm drinking iced coffee and uh, it's so good. I, I, you know, I've never been a big iced coffee guy, but I was like, all right, coffee kind of got a little cool. Let me run it through some ice. Amazing. Amazing. Just. I could do iced coffee. Some I prefer hot coffee. Uh, it's just something about that hot liquid that that kind of jolts you. You know what I'm saying? Especially sure, yeah. when you're tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but I I could do iced coffee at certain times. But I, I prefer yeah. hot coffee. Yeah, you know I, I get it. But you know, I think um, in a way somehow your your taste buds pick up some uh, some additional uh, uh, essence from the coffee because you're like okay. It's cool, so I can kind of I can detect this and that. But enough about coffee. That's true. <laughs> so let's let's actually talk a little bit about back into the firearms a little bit. So regarding to concealed carry, did, did you grow up with guns or kind of what's your story? Um, I've always been into them. Um, I, I didn't grow up with them. Um, I've always been not fascinated by what they can do but more so just on the craftsmanship. Um, I've always been like a military nut. My parents were in the military. I was born on a military base. So uh, I was just always into weaponry, uh, even going up to nuclear weaponry. Like I'm a huge nuclear nut. Um, so no, I didn't grow up with them, but as I got older, I just started, you know, getting into it and I, I love it, man. I love the skill involved. I love the craftsmanship. Um, I love the, the training. I love everything about it. Nice. Now I've, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that they're, they're into the nuclear side just because it's, it, there's a lot of connotation with it, but 
from what you kind of explained, it's not like you're in love with the the death or whatever. It's just the the the, no, the science it, uh, behind it's, it. It's the this the science behind it. I'm not into, and I let me say this, man. I know people who are into firearms get a bad rap. Everybody think we murderers and et cetera, man. No, some of us, it's literally like, um, you know, some people collect cars, man. Some people collect cameras. Some people collect video games. Firearms to me, obviously, if I need to use them for defense, yeah, I'm going to use them, but it's more so about me. I just like them. Um, so when it comes to like nuclear, sure, nuclear energy has been used in super freaking destructive ways. Am I interested in that? No, um, I'm just interested in it's crazy to me that humans have figured out how to harness the same type of energy that our own sun uses. And we've been able to take that energy and apply it towards uh, propulsion systems and weapons. And, you know, and that that envelope is still evolving. So it's just to take like the physics behind it is very intriguing to me. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I, I, I find it fascinating that especially people who are against firearms, against guns, against, you know, this, this, this concept or idea, they, they're, they're quick to be like, you know, there's more guns than people in the United States. And I'm, I wonder if that's not the same in regards to cars, like I've not looked it up, but it just came to mind. I'm like, how many cars exist in the United States? You know, things with four, four wheels and a motor, you know? Yeah. And it's got, it's gotta be more than people at this point, right? Like, I think it is. I think it is because it's not like guns go anywhere. It's not like they die and then the, and then the count goes down. Like the only time that they go somewhere is when they, when they're dismantled or destroyed. Right. And they're made in the millions every year. So I, I would probably argue that it's more, I've even said it, like it's probably more guns than people in the United States. No, I mean, that that's a fact. I mean, just if you look at the numbers, there are more guns than people. But that's not, I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing when people are like, well, how many guns exist in the UK? Oh, we only have this many. Well, but I don't know if your, if your barometer for morality should be based on literally the, the the count of guns that are sitting in a cellar or somebody's gun locker or or a safe or you know in in the United States military's bunker where they've got so many guns so many guns and you know yeah I, I just don't think that's I don't think that's a, a good barometer for the morality or or uh, your state of crime or what it, whatever it is and so kind of going back to you, when we, when we look at, so you didn't really grow up with guns, but you, you had parents in the military. What branch? Uh, my dad was Army for 17 years. Golly, that's a long time. We thank him for his service. Yeah, 17 years. I thank yeah. him too. That's awesome. And so we, you know, your dad was in the military for a long, long time. You grew up, did you? I'm what? sorry. I'm sorry, Air Force. What am I talking about? My wife was in the Army. He was in the Air Force. Sorry about that. Okay. You're about to get in trouble, but it's, it's I'm, I'm, yeah. sure, <laughs> I'm sure you'll be forgiven. Don't put point. don't put that out. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> so, um, regarding you, when, when, when did you buy your first firearm? Like, was this as an adult, or did you somehow pick yeah, I bought up? my first okay. one. No, I bought my first one. I, I've never owned a firearm illegally. Um, I, I remember 
when I first like started buying them, I was probably like 24, 25. I just remember uh, my instructor telling me, hey man, there's a attorney at the end of every round that comes out of a firearm. So um, knowing that I didn't start buying them until like 20, like 25 around that age. Um, I forgot the other part of the question. I don't know if you asked something else. No, I, no, that's cool. No, no, no. So around 24, 25, you actually got into it, uh, you know, after actually having an instructor teach you how. That's so different because a lot of people, they just, they go to the range, they pick up a gun, and that's kind of the beginning of their story. But you actually went and found an instructor. Yeah. That's fascinating. I just take, I take, um, I take, safety very serious man um so when i got into it i wanted to make sure i mean first of all it was a requirement in ohio so you couldn't get a ccw without but before we switched the constitutional carry about six months about seven months ago um you had to now we were open carry so yeah you could just walk into a gun store as long as you pass a background check and, and pick one up but um for me i wanted to do it the right way and i think open carrying is silly uh especially <laughs> especially in today's world. So if I'm going to conceal it, I had to go through this instructor uh, and take the proper courses and then get a concealed carry license. But it don't stop there. Um, a lot of people think, oh, I got my CCW, or I got my CCL, like I don't, I'm good. And and the reality is, is no, you're not, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I take I take the, the reps every day. I take everything very, very seriously and I always have. Yeah, no, I'm I'm actually really impressed with your your kind of understanding of it. Maybe maybe I shouldn't be because if you've done your research, if you've you know applied yourself, if you've taken a class, you can become proficient in this thing, and you don't have to kind of be you know soaked in it night and day, day and night, you know, completely obsessed. You can kind of do it as you have time to 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 deal with it, and you know that seems like the path that you went down. Um, Obviously, your wife was in the military. Was she okay with you kind of jumping into this thing? I, I don't know if you did it before you guys met or, or what, what the nah, situation so this was. was I, I got into it after. Um, so I didn't. Okay, so I bought them before, but I didn't really take the dry fire and the drawing from concealment thing. I didn't take any of that stuff like to that level serious until probably like three years into our marriage. And at first she thought I was crazy. She was like, man, why you got all these guns? And why you always got a gun on you? And what's up with you like walking around? And, you know, she used to walk in on me and I'll be just drawing my pistol from my hip from concealment, trying to go through the motions. And uh, she was like, you crazy, are you paranoid? I said, okay, um, I'm glad you think that, but let me ask you a question. If I'm not here and I gave her my, uh, I gave her my AR-15, I said, if I'm not here and you need to defend this house, show me. Show me if it's around in the chamber. Show me how to chamber around. Show me how to get it off safety. Show me what you're going to do if somebody walks in this house and you're laying in the bed. What is the procedure to get your firearm and get it into action to defend this house? She said, okay, you're right. And I said, I know I'm right. So, um, for me, a lot of people, again, think that all I got to do is buy a gun and I'm cool. Well, you, you can't just buy a baseball bat and be great at baseball. You have to practice with it. 
And a lot of times in these, you know, God forbid, life or death scenarios, your upper level thinking and all of that stuff goes out the window and you rely on muscle memory and experience things that you've been through. And if you've never put yourself through that situation before, if you've never put yourself through a scenario, where's my firearm? Somebody busts in my house in the middle of the night. How do I get to it? If you've never practiced that, then when it happens, you're going to be stuck. You're going to freeze. So yeah, she used to look at me like I was crazy and et cetera until I explained it to her. And then when I, you know, when she started carrying, I said, well, it's great that you got a gun on you, but if I run up on you, how are you going to get it out? Oh, it's in my purse. Well, what if I grab your purse? Like, then how are you going to get it out? So it's just all these situational things that a lot of people don't think about that you really need to think about beforehand, because unfortunately, the United States, you know, it's a lot of violence and theft and, you know, criminal activity. And, you know, if you are going to carry a firearm, it comes with major responsibility. It comes with not only for everybody else's safety, but for your own. And it comes with, you know, you have to practice at it because if you don't, what happens when you don't practice in basketball, football, baseball, you get rusty. Would you really want to be rusty in the time where your life is in danger? No. So, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I say unfortunately just because I I wish everybody a peaceful life, but I've met way too many people who have actually had to use their firearms in in defensive um, situations whether that be in a law enforcement situation, overseas military combat, um, or right here domestically, um, whether that be in a security capacity or just, hey, me and my friends are hanging out and somebody literally tried to run up and rob everybody. Um, actually met a guy recently who, he had two self-defense encounters that involved a firearm. And wow. Yeah, I know. It's like the numbers. That's like hitting the lottery two times. Like that, that doesn't happen. Yeah, in 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 a, in a bad way, and yeah, in a bad in a bad lottery. It actually the three people that I know who have been. I, I know I know a few more, but there's three people that I know who have had multiple self defense encounters, at least two, and sometimes more. And you're like, dang, are you just a trouble magnet? I don't understand. I don't understand. And I, I'm not trying to make him look bad because literally the situations like we're talking about, oh, man, I was walking down an alley and somebody literally jumped out and tried to, you know, rob me and my son, you know, that kind of thing. Or another situation. Yeah, I was um, at a gas station and somebody pulled out a rusty knife and was chasing me around the car. You know, it's like, what are you going to do? Like not go to the gas station? Yes. But also yeah. if you need gas, you need gas. So it's just those situations where it's like, dang, like it can happen at any point at any time. And just because it's a rare situation doesn't mean it can't happen twice. So, you know, the thing is, man, I'm glad you said that people have this expectation that it's going to happen to everybody, but them, trust me, nobody who's ever been in a defensive scenario where they had to use their firearm to draw down on somebody unless they were looking for it, nobody ever thought that it would actually be them until it's them and they're in that situation. So I say that to people all the time. You wear your seatbelt every day, not thinking that you don't want to get in a car crash, but you still wear it. And, you know, having a firearm on you is the, the same way. You never think it's going to be you until it's you. And then when it's you, would you rather be prepared or not prepared? Shoot. I mean, that's that's 
sometimes in life you you feel like something's wrong, like you're like, dang, tonight don't feel right, and you, usually you're wrong. Like usually you can go out, be where you need to be, and you'll come home just fine. But mm-hmm. there are some nights where everything is everything is fine, and something weird happens. Shoot, I I remember we had a, a weird situation. This kind of propelled me into the firearm space where me and my boys in college were living in an apartment off campus and somebody knocks on the door at like 11 o'clock at night. And we think, oh, it's our guy, Josh. He uh, His boy just came over to hang out super late. You know, college kids, we doing our thing. And, you know, no one's drinking, no one's doing anything. We're just playing mad and hanging out. And it's these two guys looking for looking for somebody. You know, one of them has a baseball bat sticking out the back of their shirt. And they both smell like liquor. Um, one of them has a black eye. And we're just like, yo, what is going on? And it dawned on us that we didn't have anything in the house to really kind of force multiply what we naturally have. So whatever they got on, tucked under their shirt, like, that could be it. So fortunately, you know, no one got hurt that evening um, that we know of. But, you know, it, it really came to my mind like yo like as I'm I was engaged at the time about to be married like I need to not be in this situation again where we're literally locking the doors and like trying to get away from the door to make sure they don't just like start start shooting through the door and you know I don't want to be in such fear for my life with literally no way to fight back because you can you will still be in fear generally but no way to fight back is is a dark place to be it's a dark place. Man, so I never, I never want to be in that position, man. Imagine um, being in a position where my life was in danger and I had no way if another person has a weapon to equalize or force multiply. Um, and it's a sad reality. And I'm going to say this and not everybody will agree with this. Uh, if I could right now, give away all of my weapons if everybody else had to also i would do it um, I, i'm willing to give away my quote-unquote addiction to firearms my collectors uh, mentality for firearms if it meant that everybody else including criminals had to also give up their firearms and the threat of somebody having a firearm I don't have one to protect myself were to disappear, I would. But the unfortunate part of living in the United States is a beautiful country, but let's keep it a buck. Like the gun laws are made to almost protect the criminals, not the law abiding citizen, the criminal. So it's an unfortunate situation because you got a lot of people who be like, man, you know, you the problem because you carrying guns and you know, it, it, oh, y'all keep buying guns and all this stuff. But what you don't realize is we have to we have to because there's so many criminals out here who have access to firearms that should not have them that don't give a damn about the law so when you say you guys shouldn't have firearms you imply that you think that it will be okay for us and our families and we don't want no trouble we don't want no smoke with nobody so you're saying that it will be okay for us to be in a situation where we cannot defend ourselves or our families. We don't want to have to defend ourselves or our families, but in the United States, when you have this gun pandemic, we're forced to. 
And you may or may not agree with it, but it's the reality of the situation, period. Yeah, it's um, it is it is a rough situation, and some people definitely would disagree with the with the thought of you know giving it up just because there there is another factor, which is um, if you look at biological men versus biological women, there has to be some sort of equalizer if we're going to allow men and women to be equal in society, and say yeah. you know you know there there are certain countries where women can't leave the house without dudes. In America, I don't recommend women leave the house without some sort of tool to to multiply their their strength. Because we just bare bones facts, and I don't want to drag you into some you know men versus women conversation. Man, I mean, if you look at yourself, and you look at a woman that's your height and even your weight, she don't stand a chance. She don't stand a chance. Yeah. I mean, I'm at least at least two times stronger. At least. Um, at least. And and that's for a typical guy. So yeah. I even tell my wife this. She'd be like, man, I can roll with a man. No, I mean, you might be able to get lucky with a swing or a punch. But if you got an angry, aggressive man juiced up on adrenaline, you ain't got nothing for him. As, as, as much of a beast as you might be. Right. Um, I have no doubt she's a beast. Need... Yeah, and, and she is. I didn't I know. I didn't see her in action. But when it comes down to it. Uh, an adult, healthy, strong man fueled up on adrenaline and rage. You can't do nothing with him unless you have some type of force multipliers. So I totally agree. Whether And I even said this in the vlog. I'm not even saying that you need to carry a gun, but carry something. something. Carry some mace, carry a knife, carry, carry something to alleviate the threat in that type of situation, if it were to ever happen. Something. And I, I highly recommend that you know, if you are anti-gun or maybe you don't feel like you're ready for a gun or maybe you feel like maybe you don't have the right temperament for a gun because there, there is that uh, factor too. If you really feel like you're just kind of erratic, maybe something else can can kind of be that stopgap until you're at a point where you feel like you're emotionally mature enough to, to carry a firearm responsibly. Um, so for me, you know, even if I'm in a place where I cannot carry a firearm in Texas, I've always got at least some sort of, you know, blade, knife or something with me because you're, you're not going to catch me out here naked in these streets. Like, you're just not. Like, people not are crazy. People are literally crazy. People, some people are just full, so full of evil and rage where they've had a terrible life and they want you to have a terrible life too. And they want to be famous for it. Yeah. What did Joker say? Some people just want to watch the world burn, bro. Yeah, that was uh, Michael Caine as... Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Michael Caine in Dark Knight. Yeah, some men just want to watch the world. Some people just want to watch the world, bro. Yeah, and it's... Uh, and I ain't got time for them. I don't. I really don't. And I've, I've met some of those kids and adults. I mean, I've worked in schools where these kids, they're demented. They've been abused. They've been tied to stuff. They've, you know, mm -hmm. they enjoyed darkness. And they've literally threatened, like, their foster parents with knives. They, like, little, little sweet little Timmy... He's such a nice kid. Like, oh, he's talking about Pokemon cards. You're like, oh man, you like Pokemon? I like Pokemon. And then you, you like, yo, where, where, where'd kid go? Oh yeah, he's in crisis intervention because he pulled a knife on his foster parents and uh, he was, he said he was gonna kill him. You're like, bro's like, sixty five pounds soaking wet. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's a lot of evil out there, man. And yeah. um, again, unfortunately, you, 
if you don't do what you need to do, like we ain't talking about losing some money. We ain't talking about losing your car. We we're talking about your life. Like you, yeah. you can't press respawn. You can't go buy another life from the from the life dealer. So you know, if if you value your life, you have to do something. And what again, even if you don't want to use an object, go and get training for some advanced form of self-defense or uh, or anything to give yourself the upper hand in a encounter where your life might be at stake. I'm not leaving my life to chance. Um, you know, we face perils every day, but some of them we can't control, but some of them we can control. And one thing I can control is if somebody run up on me or they got bad intentions, I'm going to be equipped to handle that situation. Uh, and God forbid, I'll never be in that situation. But if it happens, I will be prepared for it. Absolutely. And I, I highly recommend if you've got no what they call empty hand skills, if you don't know, and I'm not saying go learn karate just because some martial arts really aren't designed for brawls. But go go pick up some judo, go pick up some jujitsu, go pick up some Krav Maga, something where mm -hmm. somebody literally puts hands on you or knocks you to the ground where you can kind of you can kind of tussle a bit, maybe give yourself some time because time plus distance equals options. So can, yeah. can we can we figure that out and also study the law a little bit? Because unfortunately, a lot of a lot of well intentioned firearms owners get out there and they don't understand use of force. And uh, I've been actually, I'm, I'm in a course right now. It's like 80 hours talking about use of force and things like that. And it's crazy the amount of power that, first of all, the police have to, to gain your compliance. If they give you a lawful order, they can do whatever they want to you to gain compliance. Yeah. And then for somebody like myself, an average citizen, even if, if I'm acting in some sort of uh, capacity above just the average citizen, what can you do and what can you not do before you've literally assaulted somebody unlawfully? And, and that's, that's important. Like if you, if you point your gun at somebody and they didn't need a gun pointed at them, you've assaulted them. And if yep. they needed a gun pointed <clears throat> at them, uh, uh, and if you've shot them or if you just ended up just uh, brandishing or, or aiming a firearm, you better call the police. You better be the first one on the phone because You've assaulted them, and whoever calls the police first is right. Uh, unfortunately, so yeah, they got that for him. Yeah, um, and this is I, not legal I, advice, I, but just putting that out there. I totally agree with that, man. Um, again, one thing I'll never forget is there is an attorney at the end of every round that gets discharged. Uh, not not just discharged. There's an attorney at at the end of every round in your weapon. So I don't have time to be out here doing things with my weapon that may land me unless it's a life or death situation in the hands of an attorney where my freedom is at stake so what i always say like if you're going to be a gun owner you need to be a responsible uh firearm owner because your own discernment can land you in prison if you don't have the proper grounding when it comes to things you can and cannot do uh, and what capacities you can and not do them in. And it's always worth, even if you get your CCW, CCO, whatever, to, to every so often go read your county's laws, go read your state's laws on what you are allowed to do, what you cannot do. Because if you don't have an understanding of them and you try to figure a situation out under your own understanding, 
you might end up in prison or even worse with all of these people carrying now you doing something as simple as brandishing the gun everybody carrying now so if you point your gun at me you're getting shot because now my life is in danger so you know people need to think about that stuff when they get in these bad situations i'm about to pull my gun out to scare them yeah you might get shot also or end up in jail in the process so people got to be smart man a gun don't make you it don't make you God. It don't make you powerful. It don't do any of those things that a lot of people use guns for. It's, it's totally backwards. No, absolutely. And you, one thing that people people say, and it's becoming, hopefully it's not cliche yet, and I wish it was because that would mean more people have heard it, but don't put yourself in situations with a gun that you wouldn't have put yourself in without a gun. Like, I don't think that's rocket science. Like, Oh man, I got a gun. It's, it's all good. I'll approach these people just because I'm I'm armed. <laughs> what? No. You dumb? Okay. No, look, do y'all do y'all realize how many people who have firearms end up dead? Okay, a firearm is not a pass. A firearm does not grant you um um uh, what's the word? In invincibility. So because just because you went to a room with a firearm, first of all, you ain't the only person in there with a firearm. Let, let, let's be clear we live in the united states of america every other man got it on him okay uh it, it doesn't grant you invincibility and just because you think you got the upper hand it, it don't always work like that i mean you could go on channels and i know you know about them active self-protection is a channel mm -hmm. i watch all the time in situations where these quote unquote you know law-abiding citizens get themselves either shot or killed trying to neutralize a situation they have no business being in and no business trying to neutralize. So the, the point of, and, and if anybody's listening who is unclear on this, the, the point of concealing a weapon and carrying a weapon is not to get into a situation, but to get out of a situation, period. Period. If I'm in a store and something bad is happening, guess what? I'm leaving. I'm not about to sit here and get into a shootout because just like, your rounds can hit me. I mean, just like my rounds can end up on target, so can theirs. And that might cost me my life. So the only time I'm ever going to reveal that I'm armed is in a situation where I have no other choice and my life is in direct threat, period. Absolutely, period. And um, and that's why my guy, Kevin Dixie out of uh, Atlanta, his, his training company is called No Other Choice because Reality is, is there's a lot of people who who think that who fancy themselves a hero. Don't be a hero. Like that's not what this is about. Make it home. Don't don't end up in a cell. Don't end up in a four by four. Don't end up in a box six feet under because you thought you were hot stuff. And I understand why some people kind of stay out of bad situations, but reality is you could end up dead or or worse. Yeah. Hey, I remember um, years ago. Uh, there was a unfortunate shooting in Walmart and there were two assailants. One of them was running through Walmart, right? Doing whatever he was doing. I don't even want to, y'all know what he was doing in Walmart. Now, most of, mostly everybody had cleared out the store except for a guy who had a CCW. And there was a lonely woman still walking through Walmart with her shopping cart. Now, the assailant, I'm sorry, not the assailant, the CW holder is pursuing the assailant who's shooting people at Walmart. And what he didn't know was the lady that was pushing the shopping cart was the accomplice. So he 
pulled out his weapon, being a hero, to neutralize the threat and got himself killed because she shot him in the back. The accomplice, once he shot the person who was running through Walmart, doing X, Y, Z to all these people. So, you know, I, I get it. There's some times where you, you kind of have to, but more often than not, you, you don't have to. And the goal is to always get back home. So there's a reason why you have law enforcement and police and SWAT, et cetera. They are equipped to handle it. And what do I mean by equipped? They have armor. They have higher capacity weapons. They have, you know, way more access to stuff that increases their chance of survival than you do with your little nine round CCW pistol and a, and a dad cap on. Don't be a freaking hero. Go back home to your family unless you don't have a choice. Right. And one thing that I'm going to I'm going to note is understand like real life scenarios, because recently we've had some really, really serious situations happen. Um, people will shop it in grocery stores and somebody comes and tries to clear the place out. And un unfortunately, you know, oftentimes a lot of those people just aren't going to be armed because of the area. But looking at scenarios where it's like, okay, from one end of a grocery aisle to another, if somebody literally shows up and it's me versus them and I don't really have enough space to run and I'm, I'm facing down with this person, can, can I, can I confidently make a shot? That's, I mean, how, how long is a grocery aisle? How long is a grocery yeah. aisle? How long is half the grocery aisle? Cause if I'm, if I'm halfway through it and you're, you're over there and I'm over here, like, can I make that shot confidently? Can I put multiple shots on target? And a lot of people are, conf are are satisfied with training at, you know, three yards, you know, rules of threes, you know, three shots, three yards, three seconds. That's cool and all to start, but start to challenge yourself and figure out how to challenge yourself. And if you can go to a class, cool. But there's a lot of training that you can get online and I highly recommend you look at it because there are real life situations happening. And unfortunately, not all of them are going to allow you to escape and call the police. Yeah, uh, I, I'm a big fan of like when you go to the range, a lot of people just sit there and kind of plink away on the target. That doesn't help you. I mean, yeah, you 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 learn your weapons dexterity. I mean, you know, dexterity wise, you learn your trigger mechanics, etc. But that doesn't help you because you're not under any stress. So you might be a great shot with no stress at at three meters but what happens when you are under stress what happens when you do pull the trigger and a round doesn't go off how do you clear it under a stressful situation and get your weapon back in the fight and on target so i'm a big fan of like like you said there's a lot of channels out there there's a lot of just practice drills that you could do at the range as long as the range will allow you to because a lot of ranges don't allow you to draw from concealment but if you can find a range that will allow you to draw from concealment um, then I, I highly recommend going to do those things and drawing from concealment. How do I, you know, getting it out as fast as possible? How do I get on target? Doing all those things, acquiring my sight picture as quickly as possible under stress will greatly improve your chances of survival. And even if you don't do it in the range, like do it at home, do it at home. Like walk around your house i'm telling you man when my kids and my wife leave it's like it's like rainbow six in here bro <laughs> i'm telling you bro um i'm going through the house and i'm checking my corners and i'm all right what happens if i'm on this corner what happens if 
somebody's at my front door? How do I clear this corner? How do I get, you know, get to the opposite end without re revealing or exposing myself? And I do it under, I put, I place myself under stress. Like you got to do it as soon as possible, et cetera, because going to the range and just pulling the trigger, it, it, it helps, but it's only going to get you so far. Absolutely. Absolutely. I highly recommend and I'll, I'll if I remember, paste an affiliate link in the, in the show notes down below, because something that's really pushed me even further is having a shot timer. Now, sometimes that can seem like, oh man, that's, that's for those tactical boys. No, it's for you. It's for you. It's for you. Cause if you're in a place where you can draw and you realize, okay, so it took me three seconds to draw from concealment and put one shot in the A zone at seven yards. That's too slow. That's way too, That's slow. too slow. And I'll tell you why it's too slow. Um, in the situation where there was a, a church situation with the, uh, the guy, Jack Wilson, you can look it up where he stood up and saved many, many of the parishioners. We have, a, um, there was about three to four seconds that passed before he got his first shot on target. Now he was a little bit further away. Um, and so by the time the, the, the bad guy, quote unquote, um, if, if you can call him even that, because I don't know if you can even call him that much, pulled out the shotgun, the clock was ticking. And there was a guy struggling to get his gun into the fight, took him over three seconds and it cost him his life. Yeah. It doesn't take long. So if you can get your if you can get your stuff, you know, in in the fight, punch out, go to work, as as the people say, in one second, one point two seconds, one point three seconds, one point five. Great, we're we're making progress. And as you continue, maybe you find yourself with a sub second draw to first shot, which would be great. It's really pushing yourself, but that would be great. Like, can we can we at least push ourselves to be better than we were before? That's my point. So there's ways to do it. Yeah, like you said, um, it's a, it's a lot of stuff like, um, and you don't expect in those situations for, for a failure to happen or a mishap to happen. Right. You don't expect in that situation because you think everything is going to go right. Oh, I'm going to lift my shirt up enough to withdraw my firearm. I'm going to get a good grip on my, on my weapon so that under stress, I don't reach down and pull it out and drop it by mistake or, fling it somewhere by mistake or give an accidental tr trigger pull. And, you know, it, it takes training to work through those things that can happen um, in a real life scenario. And again, as active self-protection always says, when it comes to your life, seconds matter. Like you just said, um, the difference between five and eight seconds could be you not making it back home to your family. So, um, you know, we really got to take this thing. And I envy people that are in countries who don't have this problem. Right? I just came back from Japan. I felt so safe over there. Japan is extremely different. They're just, they are. They are. <laughs> extremely different, first of all. They they're are. Just, they're, they're cultural norms. You know, the, the, hom the homogenous nature of the society and how they, the yeah. standard they hold each other to is, is just different. But... That's a dope trip. I do want to I talk very, about that. I know we're running out of time, but I do want to talk about your trip a little bit before we go. Yeah. Yeah. What, you, want, you want me to just ramble on about it? Yeah, well, I know, I know you said, I'm going to let you finish your point about um, 
about how you envy um, countries like Japan who don't have this problem, and then we'll we'll transition over. Yeah, I, I just um, it's it's unfortunate, um, but it is what it is. It ain't like I'm about to move out the country. I can't. But I do envy countries that don't have this problem. <clears throat> and, I, and I know violence happens everywhere. If you don't have a gun, you'll use a pressure cooker. You don't have a pressure cooker, you'll use a vehicle. Blase skip. But uh, I do envy the companies that don't have to worry, for the most part, about these heinous attacks and things that we have to. Um, it's just a random thought of mine. But yeah, Japan was eye-opening for me because it was the first place I ever went to where I felt safe and I, you know, I carry everywhere. I will carry taking my garbage out to the lawn. So, you know, being in a country where I didn't have to worry about that because nobody else has guns. It was very liberating, man. I can't, I can't even lie to you. Yeah, it, it is an interesting situation to be in. And so the question is like, is it the guns or is it the people? And what crime are the people of Japan susceptible to is it violent crimes is it is it more white collar crimes are they going to lose all their bitcoin in one day like what what's happening and I'm, i don't expect you to be able to answer that here in this conversation but i think it would be interesting to explore that further at some point of the countries that don't have quote-unquote gun violence what violence do they face are they under threat of acid attacks because some places that's you know knife violence acid gangs that's their thing you know and um obviously even guns can occur like what they shot um i forget the the former president's name but he died due to a shotgun type thing so uh, somebody did tell me um that it is highly recommended in sketchy areas in japan to carry a knife so i, I think knives are the things or mm -hmm. other sharp weapons uh but also a lot of them and i don't mean to sound stereotypical but uh, a lot of Asians and Japanese are trained in other forms of martial arts. It's, it's cultural for them. So um, maybe that is a kind of equalizer uh, because you you know the next person that you come up with might be equipped just like you are skill set wise, you know, hand to hand combat. Um, and, I, and I think overall the violence is less because the playing field is so even. Yeah. You know, I think Everybody's in the United trying. States, a lot of violence happens because a lot of criminals with these guns know a lot of people don't carry. So they try to take advantage of that. Um, and they don't have that problem in Japan because I think the playing field is maybe quote unquote more. Even. That's just a theory. I have no clue. I could be completely wrong. But just so this is this is my theory um, is that criminals look for opportunity. They look for victims. Yeah. And. You know, if you literally don't have access to a firearm, maybe you'll get a knife, but you say, like, okay, well, somebody else might have a knife. Somebody else is literally trained in, in martial arts to the point where it will be hard to yeah. to make something happen. At that point, you have to really plan. And the people who are victimized are really victimized, but it's not as many people. Um, and so, obviously, I don't know Japan like that. I would have to really look into it and see, like, what it you know what are the crimes that people generally face um but i do want to just take a quick second if i mean you can talk about your trip to japan and kind of the the opportunity that your youtube career has offered you and maybe you know you know if we can follow up at some point i'd like to talk a little bit more about your youtube career because i think there's a lot of people who listen and tune in who are interested in content creation but mm. if you could just real quickly you know take a few minutes to just talk about 
your experience in content creation and kind of how it's afforded you the opportunity to go to Japan. Yeah, so uh, the opportunity for Japan was, I mean, don't get me wrong, I get a lot of traveling opportunities and YouTube is a great place. I, I tell everybody, man, if you if you think you have any type of skill or the, whether it's the gift of gab, whether it's painting, whether it's chewing on the microphone, you know, whatever the case may be, do it. We live in a totally different time where you literally have teenagers, 19, 20 year olders who are millionaires off of YouTube. Now, is that my experience? Not yet. But um, YouTube is a is the land of opportunity because everybody can be somebody. And with just uploading a video, you can reach three billion people and there's an audience for everybody. So, um, you know, I get a lot of opportunities to travel because obviously these companies, especially if you work, if you if you make products about brands, whether it's firearms, cameras, whatever the case may be, um, you know, companies will pay for you to come out and they'll pay for you to come celebrate new products because they know on the back end they're going to make money off you. So uh, Panasonic was a, a, a company. So Panasonic actually reached out to me. Now, I don't work with Panasonic at all. But they just happened to reach out to me and said, hey, we got a new camera coming and we would love to invite you to Tokyo. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Tokyo, Japan. So, you know, obviously I took advantage of the opportunity and it was uh, it was not easy. There was a lot of challenges and hurdles in the way. But um, to put it in perspective, you know, I looked at the manifest for the prices for the tickets and everything. And it probably because they brought me and my wife out there probably cost them twenty thousand dollars to go out there just to experience a new camera release. So all I'm saying is um, YouTube is the land of opportunity, but you have to start somewhere and you have to not give up because the only way you get these opportunities is if you create something that is valuable to brands when they want to do stuff like this. And that's the audience piece. That's the, um, you know, they, they want access to your audience because it's an easy path to a direct sale for them. Uh, so, you know, I get a lot of these opportunities and Japan was just one of those, you know, I never thought I would see Japan in my life, bro. Never thought I would ever see Japan. And, uh, you know, God set it up to where me and my wife got to go experience it and we didn't have to pay a freaking dollar. Uh, Panasonic paid for everything. And it was, it was a life changing experience, man. It really was. Man, that's freaking dope. And I've seen some cool opportunities in, in the firing space, but, to uh, to have a brand look at you and be like, oh, hey, you know what? We would love the opportunity to 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 kind of show you what we've been working on. Can we pay yeah. like a lot of money to bring you out? We're not going to pay you directly, more or less, but can you can we can we convince you to come to Japan? You know, I know it's been on your bucket list. Come on, let out. me think about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hey, let me let me think about it. Let me see if I got time. And um, and, it, and it's it's cool because you I mean you can go out there. I know you took some pictures, video, and stuff. So you're you're creating content. This is a work trip more or less. But you get to do yeah, something and the cool. brands know it. it. It's something cool, but at the same time, like people always say, like you get a ton of free stuff. You get to go on all these free trips. I mean, it's it's not free. You know, I might not be paying for it, or they. A lot of times they do pay you for it. I'll put that out there. A lot of times you do get paid for certain things. But um, these companies know that, all right, maybe it did cost them 15 grand to get you there and to get a camera in your hands or whatever. But the way YouTube works, content is evergreen. They're going to continually make money off of you for years to come. 
and they know that you're going to go tell 20 people about it. So even if they don't make the money off you directly, they're going to make the money back in some way off of their investment. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people look at it like, oh, that was free. But no, I mean, they're doing it because they want access to an audience, which leads to more money for them. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the, the cold hard truth is. And can you speak to this really quickly before we before we sign out? Because there's a lot of people in, in my space who don't quite understand how to communicate and kind of leverage the opportunity to um, to make stuff happen, to get paid for us, uh, um, to talk about a product and things like that. I don't know if there's something that you can talk about that's kind of condensed down into like 60 seconds. Yeah, the long is short of it. Um, if you decide that you, you want to start a YouTube channel based around products, um, I, I just recommend to to try to stay on the leading edge of it to to leverage like search capability on YouTube and stuff like that. Uh, you get these opportunities all the time and really it just boils down to consistency. Most people who start a YouTube channel, um, they quit. Usually people quit before they reach 100 subscribers. And if you reach 100 subscribers, you are in the top 10% of YouTube already. So my, my biggest advice would be whether you get into it and it's product-based, a lot of times if it's product-based, that's where the companies will spend the money to bring you somewhere to, they'll send you products, you know, things like that. But if it's not product-based, uh, or even if it is, the, the biggest thing is consistency and to, in my opinion, be different. Um, again, YouTube is a place all about personality. And with literally thousands of people uploading videos all day, every day, you have to stand out. So lean into your uniqueness and don't give up. Keep going even when you don't feel like there's a payoff because it only takes one view, the right view, to change an opportunity for you. Don't I don't care if you're getting a million views of video. It takes one right view for somebody to see you and say, I like that person and go tell somebody, hey, we need to get, you know, it, the, the dots line up and it's crazy the type of connections and opportunities you get just by being consistent, period. Wow. Thank you so much for uh, sharing that, Megan. I'm, I'm gonna take that one to heart from myself, just because <laughs> every once in a while, you start you start thinking, you get in your head, and you're just like, "Dang, is it worth it? I could be doing something else. I could be doing something else." And I'm, I'm sure you thought that way at some point, but I still feel the same way every day. But you know, it's it's the, it's just like anything else that's that's worth it in life. It takes work. Yeah. There's gonna be ups and downs, and you know the main difference between the people who are successful and not successful is not that they were more skilled. A lot of times, it's that they didn't give up. Yeah. So, man, Terry, thank you so much. Uh, how can people find you? How can people follow your work? Uh, so yeah, my my handle on uh, YouTube is literally Terry Warfield. I think they got the new username feature on YouTube now, so it's at Terry Warfield on Instagram. It is Terry underscore Warfield on Twitter. It's underscore Terry Warfield. And on TikTok, it is Terry underscore Warfield. It's weird. You know how the underscores work. You got to use them to your advantage to get at least a piece of the name you want. Uh, but yeah, I'm always on those, man. And I would love if you, if anything I said helped you or you resonated with, I would love to have you as a part of the family. So hopefully I'll see you soon. All right. All right. So thank you so much to Terry for coming on the show. And thank you so much for staying till the end. Because I know these things, they can, they can go on for a little bit. But I appreciate you for being part of this journey. Do me a favor. If you're on YouTube, like the video. That helps out tremendously. Drop a comment because 
engagement. And no matter where you are, share this with somebody. Share it on your Facebook feed if you're still on Facebook. Share a screenshot in your Instagram stories or even make a post about it. I would love to hear from you. So shoot me a DM on Instagram at armed underscore atlas. And I'm going to definitely make sure that, you know, we talk a little bit and uh, I value that. So real quick, my guy Glock Bay, he sent me this hat. I love it. If you love it too, check out Glock Bay. That's where uh, my merch is located. I'm looking at um, maybe putting this shirt out. It's, it's experimental. If you like it, let me know. And until next time, keep it costly.